It's time for JT the Brick. JT, the man, the myth, the legend. It's amazing some of the dummies that follow me. I don't know. No one knows. Whenever we crack a microphone, we're one of 32 NFL teams with the flagship station. I expect everyone to talk about the Raiders every day when I have a Raiders topic. There's not a game on this schedule against anybody if Jimmy G's ready to go with this offense where you can't say to yourself, you know something? We can win this game. We can win this game. People are going to go and buy tickets to come into our building because it's the best time in all of football. Now I got your attention. JT the Brick. 13, 13 is the bye week. That is bleeping real right now. Everybody gets the full playbook. You run the playbook faster. The plays get in and out of the huddle quicker. And you run the plays like you ran in Henderson. And you run them to perfection in the game. Do we all agree? Fair enough? Woo! And now. Because you're a pain in the ass. Here's JT the Brick. Ready to go. Hour number two of the show. How's everybody doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing great, actually. I just like to see the Raiders win some more games here, and they got to get it going. They got to get it going. This is a big chunk of their season right in front of us where something good could happen. Can't guarantee victories or losses. I don't do that. I run a fast paced, interactive show. A lot of fans, it feels like it's do or die. And I feel like it's probably the most important games that we've seen here in the last two years. Something's got to give. Something's got to give. The team's got to play better. There can't be any confusion. There can't be penalties. It's got to be a clean game and a victory at home to quiet all the noise down and win. Everybody knows that. The coaches, the players, the alumni, you the fans. How do you do it? Well, you do it by going out there and playing at a very fast-paced level, really intense. you got to be able to tackle. You have to be able to block better. you got to hold your blocks longer. And as Lincoln Kennedy talked about, the focus – Look, these guys, Illuminor and Mumford are not Lincoln Kennedy. Okay, the guards, Van Roten, is not Steve Wisniewski. Okay, the center is not Barrett Robbins or Jim Otto. Do we all get that? They're not at that level. But they got to play as mean as those guys have played, as physical, and they got to give the effort. And I think they get the effort. At times, I just think it's the talent. The talent level's good, but it isn't Hall of Fame, Pro Bowl worthy. So what do you expect when you have a non-pro bowler going up against T.J. Watt? What do you expect when you have a non-pro bowler going up against Khalil Mack? What do you expect? I mean, you expect those guys to hold on and play hard and get it done. Everybody's got to play better, man. Everybody's got to play better. Is that serious enough, serious enough criticism from your boy, JT? Or do you want something more? What more can I give you? What more can I give you that's professional? Play better, do your job, play with more energy, excitement, better execution, and get a win. That's where we're at. It's a pivotal point of the season. Vinny Bonsignor joins us from Vegas Nation. Raider Nation Radio, the Las Vegas Review Journal. All right, Vinny, so we'll wait for tomorrow on Jimmy G and hopefully trending in the right direction, but you and I both know we're not trainers and doctors and got to wait for that news, right? Yeah, no doubt about it, and uh, I think the extra day is going to definitely uh, help uh, Jimmy G in terms of <clears throat> getting cleared and, and being ready to go out on the field on Monday night against the Green Bay Packers uh, and be able to uh, to go out there and protect himself and play well. Um, I thought there were some some really positive signs by Aiden O'Connell, but you know, in many respects, he looked like a rookie quarterback, which obviously that's what he is. 
Um, I don't know that, you know, it's his time right now. I think the, the, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo gives the Raiders the best opportunity to win every time they step on the, uh, on the football field right now. Uh, and they certainly need him in what you just described as a pivotal game. You can't fall to one and four. Yeah, you can't fall to one and four. I would agree with that. Also, Devontae got banged up, and we saw Jacoby get banged up earlier in the year. Uh, where do you sense we're at here, Vinny, with some injuries and some banged up and bruises along the way and the overall health of the Raiders? Yep, uh, a month into the NFL season, and you know this is what you can expect. And in many ways, the the, the Raiders have uh, you know dodged some major bullets. If you look around the NFL and see some of the catastrophic injuries to some big time players uh, across the league, they've they're in pretty decent shape uh, as far as that goes. You hate to see Devontae with a shoulder injury. Obviously, you need all range of motion uh, with your arms in order to uh, to be the player that that he is. So that'll certainly be something to monitor. He told us after the game that uh, that it felt pretty bad. Uh, so again, I think the extra day is going to help him. He's going to fight to stay on the football field. But um, it just shows you how important these star players are and how important it is to keep them healthy. Do you believe the best decision was to start and even go after Marcus Peters? I do. And have Jacorian Bennett. So you got a great veteran on one side who's off to a slow start and a rookie that you know are going to make some mistakes here. So those are your two corners here, and they got some depth at that position. How's that position group working out? Yeah, I don't, I don't, uh, it's not, it's definitely not uh, anything egregious or anything mm-hmm. like that. Um, I, I feel like for the most part, the Raiders secondary has done a good job limiting big plays. Uh, they've done a pretty good job in terms of the tackling um, and, and just, just playing good sound football you know has it been all pro level no but that's not what you expected mm-hmm. uh, from a jacorian bennett a, fir- a fourth round pick making uh, his first you know uh, uh playing his first month in the nfl and, and marcus peters who is now a veteran he's not you know uh, necessarily the, the the marcus peters of three or four years ago so um you you kind of went in with the expectations that this is what you were going to get this type of this level of play and i think for for jacorian bennett uh, his his future, I believe, is, is bright, and I think Marcus Peters, the you know better shape that he gets into, the more he gets into it, uh, the more he understands this defense, uh, that has a chance to be uh, to be better as well. I just don't see that the secondary has been a major weakness at all. Vinny Bonsignor joins us. Your tweet yesterday: things that seemingly don't change. Jerry Tillery, who's committed two incredibly egregious penalties during his time with the Raiders, had 19 penalties in 54 games with the Chargers. So that being said, they like something about him. I think they like his motor and his veteran skill set at times, reading offenses and all that, and the rotation. The rotation overall, I don't know how it's going to change from a third-round pick, not being active, Nestor Jade playing here. What do you see happening at this defensive tackle room coming into the Green Bay game? Yeah, they need better play from their defensive tackles, no question. And and, and Jerry Tillery really hurt the team mm-hmm. on on Sunday. I mean, not only is it a 15 uh, yard penalty, not only does it give you know uh, the, the Chargers it lights a fire uh, under the Chargers over there on their sidelines, uh, but but you're also now not available to your teammates, uh, and that's just letting your teammates down by doing something dumb. And let's just call it what it is. Uh, but, but yeah, you know, I'm just doing a, a, a kind of a report, month-long um, look at, at the Raiders' rookies right now. And Byron Young, um, you know, I think he's been a bit of a disappointment. Mm-hmm. You know, pick number 70, uh, he, he hasn't really flashed the way you would have hoped uh, that, a, that a player that was picked in that range uh, would have right now. Obviously, um, he's got a long way to go, um, and there's a lot of time for him to get it turned around. But, you know, being deactivated in week four for Nessa Jade Silvera give give the other rookie a chance. 
that's really not what you want to, uh, mm-hmm. you know, uh, see at this point in the season for for a third round pick. So, uh, you know, Byron Young's got to get got to get it going. Um, uh, the defensive line in general, whether you're talking about Boal Nichols or, or John Jenkins um, or y- Adam Butler. Uh, Jerry Tillery, he needs to obviously stay on the football field, uh, but they they need more from their the interior of their defensive line, and, and right now it is what it is in that room, and they just have to be better. Jenkins is playing really well, huh, from the tape in that last game. He had a big game. Yeah, and I think they have been, I mean, you know, they've done it the first Half against the Chargers did not look good uh, in terms of the run uh, defense, but they've gotten better. They got better as the game went on in, in that regard. I felt like the defensive line started applying some pressure. If you have, if the defensive line has that sort of a game, um, uh, you know, against against the Packers, I think good things uh, can happen. Uh, to me, surprisingly, so the defense has, you know, started to play better. Um, you know, you can't expect the defense to be out there as long as sometimes. The Raiders' offense has 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 uh, forced them to be out there, mm-hmm. uh, so you know they have to do a better job offensively of getting the defense off the field. But to pitch a shutout in the second half against the uh, against the Chargers, to hold Justin Herbert to what 150 some odd yards uh, passing, and and you know it was a rough day for him. Uh, I think those are good signs for the defense moving forward. Vinny Bonsignor, I agree with you. Jordan Love, 901 yards passing. Eight touchdowns, three interceptions. He's been sacked eight times. It's interesting, Eric Allen, you know how good he is when you join us on game day. He's talked about how you got to keep him in the pocket because outside the pocket, if he tucks and runs, he's one of the better athletes out there. We put Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson at a higher level, obviously so. They've been doing it longer, but I think Love poses a threat outside the pocket because he's got a big arm. Packers love a big arm quarterback, Favre and Rodgers, and a guy who could make you miss if he gets open in space. What do you expect the Raiders to do to try to counter that? Because Divine Diablo is that type of spy and player this year that's been hunting down quarterbacks. Yeah, and you, you just have to be disciplined also uh, in your pass rush. And I think a couple of times uh, the, the Raiders didn't do that against Justin Herbert. And uh, it's happened in, in a couple of games so far where um, you know you make an inside move on that pass rush and it gives him the quarterback, whoever that might be, whether it was Russell Wilson. Uh, in last week's case, it was, it was you know obviously Justin Herbert. Uh, it gives them the edge to be able to go make some plays with their legs uh, on the outside. That's what happened on that Jerry Tillery uh, play where, where he was able to get to the edge uh, after getting flushed out and then had a lot of room to run. So you really have to be disciplined in terms of uh, how you rush him and how you try to contain him and, and kind of build that fence uh, around him. Because if you, can make, if you can make him make plays from the pocket while also getting pressure on him and not letting – not giving him any escape lanes, uh, he's going to make some mistakes. And, you know, some of that is will result in sacks. Some of that might result in some bad throws and some opportunities uh, for some interceptions. But it starts with being dis- – it starts with getting pressure on the quarterback, which I thought the Raiders did a much better job of on Sunday, especially in that second half. And then it also takes so- some discipline to make sure you stay in your lanes and do your job and keep everything to the inside of you. All right, Vinny, wrapping it up, where do we stand here? Because we've been both doing this a while, and I I always say when I'm on the sidelines and you're in the locker room, players always play with a sense of urgency. They play once a week or they come off a bye week. I've never seen a player who's a pro not understand that they got to be ready to roll on game day. 
come out of warm-ups, come out of the locker room. There's always a big speech by the coaching staff, and a couple of players pipe up. We know that already. What has to happen in this game? What is creeping into the locker room with the sense of urgency with the schedule right in front of them? Yeah, and I don't think it's an urgency issue. I think it's a composure issue mm-hmm. um, in, 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 in a lot of cases. You know, David Long had a really good football game uh, on Sunday before he went out with an injury, but you just can't line up in the neutral zone the way he did on a third and five that negated uh, a strip sack uh, that would have put the Chargers, you know, further back behind the line. You know, now it's fourth and, and, and along, and they're going to have to punt in that situation. But instead, because he just kind of carelessly lines up, Wrongly, it gives them an easy first down, and they end up scoring a touchdown uh, on that drive because the drive got extended. It's things like that. Jerry Tillery, um, you know, uh, make uh, committing the penalty that he did. Look, I get it. You know, there were a lot of Raider fans who were happy to see Justin Herbert, you know, uh, get get pushed out of bounds, but you just can't do it. You're hurting your team um, in many ways uh, by by doing that, and you have to be smarter than that. You know, I think Robert Spillane, if you go back 10 years ago, that was a great block that he levied uh, on the interception mm-hmm. yeah. by Trayvon Merrick. But in today's NFL, you're not allowed to do that. So you need to know the rule book uh, as well. And, you know, I felt like, um, you know, the block by Jacoby uh, Myers, the crackback block, I think that could have gone either way. But again, just knowing the room, knowing the situation, knowing the rule book helps. And so I think. Better composure, not jumping off sides, not uh, you know uh, moving illegally along the line of scrimmage like Jermaine did uh, again on on Sunday. It's little things like that, and I know it sounds like a cliche, but it truly is what's holding the Raiders back. I don't know if they're pushing too hard, if they're playing with anxiety, um, or you know, uh, but but whatever they're they're doing, uh, it's flashing in in lack of composure at key moments too that just are shooting the the, the Raiders in the foot, and they're not good enough. No team is good enough uh, to play the opponent and themselves. You got to get out of your own way, and I think if the Raiders do, some of these outcomes will look uh, entirely different. I'm not trying to look at things through rose-colored glasses whatsoever because this is a problem that's been going on for years now uh, with the Raiders shooting themselves in the yeah. foot. But it really is that almost that simple that if they could just get out of their own way um better things are going to happen i agree with you tell us about your activations coming in this weekend especially the extra day on monday with all the fans coming into town yeah so we're going to be over at uh, red tail on sunday at six o'clock uh, ahead of the uh, big monday night game against the packers so come join us join us at resorts world just caught us tequila throws a great party and by the way if you're out of town uh, and want to get uh, your Dos Cotas Tequila, just go to doscotastequila.com, uh, punch in the code word KICKOFF, and you'll get 20% off uh, your next online purchase of Dos Cotas Tequila. Thank you, Vinny. I'll see you this weekend. My, thanks, Thank my you, friend. JT. You got it, Vinny Bonsignor. Thrilled that he could be here with us. What an insider group we have. I mean, the best in the business. We're lucky. They come on with me. They've been coming on with me. We try to separate them every two weeks. You mix in a Phil Villapiano, a Fred Bolitnikoff, a Charles Woodson, a Steve Wisniewski. You mix that in. We get the coach every week. We're very fortunate to have this platform here. We don't have it without the fans like Raider Man, who's been here as long as everybody. How are you, Raider Man? What's new? <laughs> What's going on, JT? You know me. I can't stay away. And uh, shout out to Mr. Vinny, man. Much respect to that, brother. You know I mean? I do my best to give that, that hard ear every morning when I'm listening to the show because I'm diehard like that. Anything ready, I'm going to be supporting it. But I appreciate the content that that brother brings up and, the, you know, that insidership. That, and, you know, I wish that I had funny story, man, to tie it in to see Wood, man. Shouts out to my dude, by the way. Happy birthday and happy Woodson Whiskey Day. But I was honored 
1998, uh, through the man, through the Travis, you know, our brother, you know, OG Raider Rob, uh, put me on with the program through Raider Fan Magazine, and we were getting close, partnering up with the Black Hole and Rob Rivera, God rest his soul. And we got the chance to go out there, and King uh, Alo Casal blessed me with press passes, where Raider Man actually got a chance to be in the, in the crunch. I remember Martin Wyatt, OG Martin Wyatt, was pissed at me. I was too brash. I was in there taking up space. But I was in the, in the smash, man, and I got 97 and 98, which gave me the honor of interviewing one rookie young Charles Woodson. And, and I'm talking about – this is a pinnacle moment for me. I guess it's probably one of those spinners that made me where I can't let it go. Because, you know, shouts out and God rest Alo Casal, man. I really, yeah. I'll never ever forget that opportunity. Uh, shouts out to the OG uh, 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 Mike Taylor, man. You know, he's the brother mm-hmm. that put it in my hand. And, and I'm just talking about, like, the, the tradition, the history, the, the, the bloodline of this organization is really what it's all about with me, and I'll, I'll always and forever hold that appreciation. Man, I, I don't know how to say happy birthday probably to see Wood, but I wish I was taking a toast with him and hugging his neck right now. Look, when it comes to Green Bay, we don't play this team often. I mean, I, I live 66. He does a great job. Shouts out to my dude over there. He does a great job of breaking down the, histor- the historicals, I like to call it historicals, of this team. And in, in history – the, the Packers, I'm talking about, all the way back to history. What was that? Uh, Super Bowl two. Super Bowl two. They've II. always kicked our. They've always kicked our ass. And in the in the most recent history, and in the last eight meetings, we they they blanking us. Mm-hmm. Now we were together. If you know, I, you, might, you might remember this. We were together on the wall in the black hole when Favre came in and did that yes. dance to us on Monday Night Football, man. You know, and, and God rest his pops, you know what I mean? Because that was a hard night. I remember us all in there crying like babies because it was so much emotion. You didn't know what to feel. But we had blood on our teeth that night. We went in there with murder on our mind. I hate to put it that way. But we were ready to kill these dudes. Reagan Upshaw was having a great game. We was, we was, out, of, we was out of our mind. But Brett Favre. Show why he H O F, and that brother threw everything, man. I'm talking about. I think he broke his thumb that game and everything else. He kicked our ass, and I, I just to this day I'm still rooting for him because of that game. I just, I kind of became a Brett Favre fan, much I hate to admit it, but you know what I mean. Look, when it comes to this game, I haven't heard anybody touch it yet. But we better concentrate a little bit and we put a, a serious eye on that on that backfield of Green Bay. Mm-hmm. They're they're not monsters. At least not right now. Aaron Jones has been battling, I guess, like a hamstring thing. But they got that big dude, A.J. Dillon. And even mm-hmm. though he's not one of those uh, monsters, he's not a crusher, he's a big guy. And yep. we've been deficient in tackling, sometimes in the middle. Uh, but Spillane been battling that arm. I've been watching the last few, few mm-hmm. games. He's battling through it. But it's challenging on these tackles, especially since they don't get to practice it much. Right. But with that running game and that play-action pass that uh, Jordan Love is able to run off the edges mm-hmm. – we better put some attention on that, man. For That's sure. what I'm thinking about for this game plan. Figure it out on offense. Yep. Defense, tackle well. See what I'm looking at you, Jason. Thanks, Raider Man. Appreciate it. He's right about the play action. That's the strength of them with love. If he can get the linebackers to hold – and on play action, and that's why I thought we should have went play action at the goal line. If we weren't going to run Josh Jacobs at first and goal, play action, release the tight end. I think it would be open, but – you know, the pass aid and through the interception, you got to live with that. I'm going to come back in a little bit, and we still got more calls to take, but I'm going to tell the story of the night of the Brett Favre game. I think I have a unique perspective of that game and how it affected me later on in life. That was a big moment in my life, the Brett Favre game. A lot went on there. I'll tell you about it on the other side. I don't tell the story much. 
So I'll tell that coming up in a few minutes here. Gangster Raider is up next. Want to get him before the bottom of the hour. Go ahead. Shout out to Raider, man. Shout out Thor. And what's up, JT? And, um, I, I agree with you on this should be um, a stretch of um, games for us, but um, I'm doubting the play calling and the coaching because knowing that we have a rookie quarterback that we're going to start, we shouldn't. We should have ran our um, um, Pro Bowl running back more than 17 times. Because even if he would have averaged five yards a carry only 17 times, that's only 85 yards. Understand what I'm saying? Well, we should have doubled that. He should have at least had 30, well, let's say 30, 25 yards. And even even when he didn't um, run, he put the quarterback in in comfortable position, just like when that play when Devontae Adams got hurt. That was on first and 10. We should have ran the ball. You know what I'm saying? Devontae don't get hurt. And then even the very next play, they, that's when he fumbled. We should have ran the ball either one of them plays or he don't fumble. Even worst-case scenario, if we don't gain no um, yards on the run, we still have the ball on third down. We didn't even get a third down because your rookie quarterback, who you put in that position by not running the ball, fumbled the ball. You know what I'm saying? And you help your quarterback by using your pro ball running back. He should have had at least 30 carries, and I bet you he had over 100 yards. You know what I'm saying? And I think the coaching staff, I mean the play calling by the coaching staff is holding the running game back also with the um the play of the line, but the play of the line got better as the game went on. And also with the interception at the end of the game, that should have been a run. Mm-hmm. You don't put your rookie quarterback in that position when you have a pro ball running back. And also you run the ball to um, loosen up, I mean, or wear down the defense. Because if you got Jacob Johnson coming in there, then you got to deal with um, Josh Jacobs over and over. By the time third, fourth quarter, some of them are going to be wore out. They're not going to be in the game, and then the backup is going to be in there, and then you got a better chance to even get more of the mm-hmm. You understand what I'm saying? You wear them down by running the ball, and instead of that, we hurting our team. We got Devontae hurt when that should have been a run, our rookie quarterback fumble when that should have been a run, and the run should be the strength of our offense. And you're not even setting up the game plan to use the strength of our offense to help your rookie back quarterback. Therefore, I have no confidence in the coaching staff, so I, I think – that this should be a run of wins, but until the coaching staff utilizes the strength and the team right, then we we won't be able to win on a consistent basis. You understand what I'm saying, JT? And yeah. that gives me the reason concern. And I, I'm ready to die hard, ready for for hard. And I, I wanted to root for Josh Jay because they hired him on my birthday. Even I was kind of iffy about the choice, but I'm like, maybe this is my birthday present in disguise. Maybe Josh Jake was going to bring us our first super, our fourth Super Bowl. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm thinking. But now I'm starting to, like, maybe, man, was, you, you hurting the team. Just like um, Vinny, I think he, I, don't, I mean, okay. Hondo asked him, you inherited a playoff team, mm-hmm. and now it's worse. You know what I'm saying? Fair What's questions. Fair questions. Thanks for the call. Appreciate you checking in. I will, I will not push back on most of that other than the rushing. Uh, this team, let me give you some stats and put the show in reality on what, what this team does. They've had 86 rushing attempts all year to 125 for their opponents. The opponents have rushed for 537. The Raiders, 261. The Raiders are averaging three yards, three yards per carry per game on these rushing attempts. The opponents, 4.3. Rushing yards per game. Very important stat. I drill home starting now. The opponents, 134.3. The Raiders, 65.3. Rushing touchdowns, the average, the opponents four, the Raiders two. If you're wondering why the Raiders are abandoning the run on certain plays, I would have ran Josh Jacobs at the goal line twice, not three times, not four. I would have ran him twice. 
One inside, one outside. And then after that, I would have thrown it to Devontae twice. Devontae. But the Raiders' rushing attack is not good enough to lean on now. So for everybody who says, run the ball, run the ball, they can't run the ball. They haven't been able to run the ball. I got the stats here in front of me. There's no holes until a little bit against the Chargers when the Chargers were playing with a lead and they were going to sit on the pass, not the run, because they were worried about Aiden O'Connell beating them deep. It's the only chance they had to win. So I agree with those who say run the ball on first and goal at the three. Absolutely. But what's killing this team is on first and 10 when they lose two yards and it's second and 12. And how many times has that happened this year? I don't have the exact numbers here, but how many times have they tried to establish the run down in distance, get it going, let's just get five yards, and they're negative one or back to the line of scrimmage? I don't want to go down that way. I want to go down with Devontae. That's just me. I'm a season ticket holder. I want to go down with Devontae. I want Devontae getting it when we can't count on anybody else. We can. They're pros. I can count on Hunter. can count on Michael Mayer eventually. But Devontae's what we got now. So if Josh ain't running it good early, good luck. Because they're going to put everybody in the box to try to take away Josh. And they're going to say, I dare you to throw it by us. That's why Jimmy G's announcement tomorrow, if he's ready to come back to practice, is really important. M-Ride. Oh, my buddy, Teo Johnson. M-Ride is the luxury concierge shuttle service. It's the same bus the players use. You can ride like a pro. Go to mridelv.com. That's mridelv.com. Use the promo code BRICK. No more hassle parking, sitting in traffic. This is the way to get in and out of Allegiant Stadium. Go to mridelv.com. Code word BRICK. Herbert looking that way. Pressure off the edge. Sacked from behind, and he got out of it originally and then goes down. Max Crosby drilled him quickly off the edge. It looked like Herbert was going to get out of it at the 15, but then Max hung on to his ankles. Jason Horowitz on the call. I believe we have him tomorrow. I believe so. So, JT, back with you. We're trying to fit everybody into the show as we get into the weekend. And the Green Bay Packers are here on Monday. I am concerned that the Packers have had off that long. They haven't played since last Thursday. That, it truly is a bye week, and it's not technically. But I don't recall ever, and if someone could find this on Stats and Info, I don't recall ever a team playing on a Thursday night and then playing next on a Monday night. They play on a Thursday night, usually play on the Sunday. Maybe Sunday night football, but Monday night football, Come on, how many days off you want to give these guys? It's not their bye week. How many days off are you going to give the Packers before the Raider game? And the Chargers go on the bye week, and all these teams play the Raiders go on the bye week, and the Raider bye week isn't to win. 2025, is it? Where's their, oh, are the Raider bye weeks after? The week 13. Woo! That's some, that's some grinding out here. No doubt about it. But, hey, you got to play the games in front of you. We're brought to you by Grimaldi's. 
Hand down's my favorite pizza. What I do is I call it in. I get the Brooklyn Bridge and the Don. If you like the Don and the Brooklyn Bridge pie, you go pick it up. We have the $50 Grimaldi's gift cards coming next week. We get them, give them away a few times a month. That is coming up here pretty quickly. And hopefully everybody has a Grimaldi's that they can go to near them. South Rampart. They're in Boca Park, the Grand Canal Shops at the Palazzo, South Rainbow, and in Green Valley on Southeastern Avenue. I want to get to that Brett Favre story in a moment. Let me get to Raider Joe. He's in Anaheim. What's going on, Joe? What's up, JT? I want to keep this pretty optimistic mm-hmm. uh, going into this week and the rest of the season. You know, give it, uh, give a little optimism to Raider Nation okay. here. Okay, so let's go back to what Josh McDaniels had said before going into the season. He's going to treat it as an extension of the preseason. And maybe that's not what we're all hoping for, and maybe that's not what we all want. Definitely not me. But let's let's keep uh, the hopes up because we just listened to Mick Lombardi's interview and him speaking highly of the rookies. Maybe they're seeing some things. Maybe they're going to change some things up. And I just got to stay optimistic because I see a lot of grim – Raider Nation fans and people losing hope already. It's not time for that. It's time to kick the training wheels off, get this thing rolling, and then get behind our team. Yeah. And another thing, I was at the game last Sunday against the Chargers, and I brought I brought hope and all the energy I could mm-hmm. through all four quarters. I just want to see that more from all my fellow fans here because we got to get behind our team. We got to help them out when they're on the field, and, and we got to get loud when the other team's on the field. You know, we yeah. we got to cheer when things go right, but we can't get too down when things go bad. Yep, I would say that's the same thing that I tell a lot of people. Thank you. I'm not going to tell you how to be a fan. I'm done doing that. You know, you post a picture of a hat, people want to, like, track me down and, and, and berate me. Post a picture of a T-shirt, oh, my God, I'll never spend a dollar again. Look, I'm not going to tell you how to be a fan. That's it. But keep your misery index away from me when I'm not on the radio. You want to be miserable on the radio? You want to be miserable for two hours a day? I can't tell you. I can't tell you. I just say keep it professional. But the misery index, as I often talk about, it's not going to absorb me the other 22 hours of the day. And I know there are a lot of fans invested heavily in this team. Uh, Speaking of the investment, great job by Mark Davis and the Raiders organization. They donated a million dollars to UNLV. One million dollars for the Al Davis room. That is a very generous gift by the Davis family, the Raiders, Uh, Sandra Douglas Morgan, everybody who was there to make the presentation for the Al Davis team room. So a million dollars. And UNLV put those eyeballs up like, whoa. Thank you to Mark Davis, Sandra Douglas Morgan, and the Raiders for your support of UNLV football. And that is a big, big investment. Huge. That doesn't happen in the NFL. You tell me the Chicago Bears who were barely donating a $50 ball to some of the events I went to with the ball with the Bears and Gridiron Greats, and Mark Davis is writing a check for a million. So that's that's pretty important, and for Coach Odom, he loves it. I don't know him. I haven't interviewed him yet, and I'm wishing him well, and we should get him on here coming up, and I'm happy for UNLV football. Whenever I see UNLV football win a game, I've had friends whose sons played on the team all throughout, I don't do a lot of UNLV football on this show. We used to mostly do Raiders and Golden Knights and some national stuff. It's been nice to see him get off to a good start here. And a coach that is working the city and working the city hard and wanted it bad. Wanted to beat Hawaii bad. And they did. And they played with aggressive energy. I love that. So let me tell you what happened on that Brett Favre game. A very important uh, moment in my life. Favre 
came there after his dad passed away. And when his dad passed away, it was a very emotional moment for Brett Favre, but also the Raider fans. It was one of the times that I've never seen anything like this because when this happened with Brett Favre, December 22nd, 2003, I came to the team in 98, so my fifth year with the team, and I used to stand in the black hole and be there in the stands there. And I'm not used to Raider fans treating anybody. It's treating them with respect. That's one thing. But Raider fans in Oakland were very aggressive, hardcore against the stars of another team. Like no one kind of went over to the black hole other than Junior Seau. There's a handful of guys that would go over there and, and talk to the black hole and try to get him going. So that day, I remember the black hole and everybody in the stadium was so respectful for Favre because his dad died that there was none of that. There's none of that going on. No F-bombs, no S-bombs, no screaming, Favre, this and that. And that was interesting. So I took my mentor, Andrew Ashwood, who I wrote my book about the handoff. He's a diehard Packer fan. I got him a pregame pass and another one of my buddies, Brad. I got him passes to be on there for the pregame. And it was highly emotional. This was ESPN. This was a big deal. Everyone was watching. And Favre did the warm-ups and all of that. And then at the end of the pregame warm-up, I rolled my buddies over to the end zone. And I don't break the rules at a Raider game. You don't see me break the rules. But my buddies, wink, wink, decided to stay. Okay, pretty aggressive move. They stayed down there. And one of them's my boss, ended up being my boss. So anyway, they get into the well, the camera well, where ESPN's got the camera. They're standing right up against it. They got their pregame pass on. No one came up to them and said, hey, let me see the pass. You got to leave. They stayed down there. No one came up to them. And Favre was throwing daisy cutter bombs, like the best bombs I've ever seen landing. And my buddies were down there. And finally, they came up at halftime to the seats. And I'm like, well, where were you guys? Like, well, you just stayed there. No one asked us to leave. And they saw it. And one was a diehard Packer fan. Well, anyway, they win that game big. And Brett Favre at the end of the game, his wife Deanna comes out on the field, hugs. I walk over on the field on the 50-yard line, and I watch them embrace. And he's crying and teared up as he walks off the field. And the Raider fans, I believe Violator, he could correct me on this, at Black Hole, everybody was giving him a standing ovation. And you don't hear that story much about Oakland. And that was a crazy, crazy day. Raider fans needed the game. It didn't happen, but the level of respect for Brett Favre that evening was like nothing I've ever seen before and since. Look, Las Vegas is much different than Oakland. We all know that. But to see the Oakland fans show that much respect as Favre played for his dad, it's a night I'll never forget. Wish the Raiders would have won that game. It was not their night. Brett Favre was the best player on the field, and he was as good. Many people say this, even Packer fans, that that was the greatest game he ever played. It had the emotion of his dad passing away, but he actually played above and beyond his Hall of Fame ability. It was special, and it was a Raider loss, but I've never been more proud or just in awe of the Raider fans who all treated Brett Favre like he was family. And uh, people talk about it still to this day. That game is up on YouTube. I just brought it up. If you go to YouTube, Green Bay at Oakland, quote, Favre plays for his dad. You can watch that, and you can see my buddies in the end zone. You can see it real clear. <laughs> Andrew was big. Andrew looked like John Candy and Grizzly Adams. He's about 350 pounds, beard, big, burly guy. 
And then what happened was after that, we went back to Green Bay years after that. And Andrew was diagnosed with terminal cancer. And we knew this would be the last time he'd see all his friends and family back at Lambeau Field. So the Raiders were kind enough to get me a box, a box of about 18, 20 seats. At the time, I asked everybody. They stepped up, and they did that. And we had a box, and we tailgated, and everybody in that box would come by to Andrew. And they were saying their final goodbyes. And he was in heaven before he got to heaven because he was watching his beloved Packers. And the Packers destroyed the Raiders in that game. It was so cold, but we were inside this box. And the night before the game, night before the game, Jay Glazer set up that Mike McCarthy would come to our private event, the private bar that we were at in Green Bay. And Jay Glazer told Mike McCarthy, the coach of the team, on Saturday, you don't leave the hotel, you don't leave the team, said, if you could please come by. Mike McCarthy came for two hours and drank beer with us and hung out. We got it all on video at Silver and Black Productions. And Andrew, and we presented Andrew with a game ball from the Raiders and the Packers. Highly emotional. One of the most influential big nights. And that's why I always pull for Mike McCarthy. People say, oh, he's the coach of the Cal. But no, the fact that he left the team before the game the night before and spent two hours in a private room with us and was just one of the guys that's why I always pull for Mike McCarthy. That was a class move, Jay Glazer, and everybody who was involved with that. So I have some connections to the Green Bay games over the years, and they've won, I think, the last eight in a row. That's got to stop. It all stops Monday night football at Allegiant Stadium. Raiders need a win, and they need the win badly. We'll get into what the game means when we come back on the flagship of the Silver and Black. Uh, I mean, I, I, again, I, I say the same thing. I mean, he's, he's a warrior, you know, and um, to come back in and play the way that he did uh, after that, um, you know, I give him obviously all the credit in the world. You know, it's a tough son of a gun and uh, what a great team player, um, you know. So I'm, I haven't seen him yet this morning. I'm sure he'll be a little sore, but, um, you know, remarkable in terms of being able to come back and do what he did. Yeah, that's Devontae Adams, coach is talking about, and we'll see what happens. He was banged up in that game. We're waiting on the status of Jimmy Garoppolo. Tomorrow's a pretty big day. Tomorrow's a really big day to see who's available and who's going to practice and who's doubtful, who's questionable, who's going to be out there and going to be able to go. So we'll know more tomorrow. we got a big show tomorrow. Uh, Patrick Lindsay, who's putting on the Shriners Golf Tournament. I'm really down on golf right now, but not this tournament because the Shriners raises so much money. We always get a young youngster, uh, either a young girl or a young boy on from the tent. I'll be broadcasting a week from Thursday from the Shriners right there on the hill. It's always one of my favorite broadcasts because it's very inspiring when we talk to the youngsters who are battling through some type of disease and needs the help of the Shriners. Uh, That's coming up. Simon Keith will join us in studio tomorrow. Please Google Simon Keith. Everybody in Vegas knows him. He's the first ever heart 
transplant recipient. He's had two of them. I'm normally involved in his golf tournament, but I'm out of town this weekend. I had plans for a long time. But we're going to promote it and promote it big because he does so much in the community. Lee Sterling's going to pick games. Jason Horowitz, the voice of the Raiders. And Leroy Butler, Packer legend, as we preview the Packers there. Good week of radio. A lot of people jumping in and coming on and uh, doing what they need to do to help enhance the radio show as we keep going here. A couple of other points I wanted to make before we get out of here. I'm watching Texas 7, Tampa Bay nothing. What I'm about to say is a very important point. I'm not picking a fight with the Oakland A's. I know more about the A's than anybody in this town. Don't care if you're an award-winning writer or whatever you've done. I was involved and knew everything about the A's and the Raiders. The A's are trying to come here to piggyback off the Raiders' success. Nothing more. Nothing more. Howard Terminal was all a joke. The Coliseum was basically left for them after the Raiders left. They got a billionaire owner. They could do anything, and they refused to do it. Now they want to go and follow the Raiders. I don't have a problem with that if the owner sells the team. I'll say that again on record. If the owner sells the team to someone else and comes to Vegas, I got no problem with that. I'm not going to speak for the owner of the Raiders, but I'll just tell you how big of a deal that story is. So the re- why am I bringing that up? Because Tampa Bay is at home today in the playoffs, and they have another tiny crowd no one's there. So they're supposedly going to build something in St. Pete. No, it, it, in Tampa, they're playing in St. Petersburg, not Tampa. Whatever they want to do there, they don't have the fans there to do it. And that's fair criticism of the Raiders in Vegas. There aren't enough Raider fans in Vegas to fill Allegiant Stadium. We all knew that before the Raiders came here. Everybody knew that. Potentially there's enough people here in the Valley as it grows to fill it up with Raider fans. But the Raiders always knew that they were going to get first right to the PSL holders of Oakland, and a lot of them took them up on that. And L.A., L.A. fans bought a lot of tickets, and a lot of fans from in the market, they bought all the tickets. Not some of them, all the tickets when it comes to this. But when it comes to Tampa Bay today, this doesn't work with the team that's in the playoffs. And you got the Oakland A's that Rob Manford's dealing with, and the A's aren't leaving for any time in the foreseeable future. And every time you're watching an A's game before they get to Vegas, if they get here, it's going to be an empty house at the Oakland Coliseum. An eyesore. They're writing graffiti now. Graffiti on the Oakland Coliseum. They can't control the BART, which is right there. They can't control everybody tagging the graffiti there. And I want it to get cleaned up. I love Oakland. I do. I loved Oakland. I commuted for 17 years. You didn't know that. I didn't tell anybody that. I was getting on a plane from Vegas for 17 years commuting to Oakland. I spent more nights in the Oakland Airport Hilton than most players. I love everything about Oakland, except the politicians. They are despicable politicians that have destroyed that community for sports. So when I look at Tampa Bay, why would I tie that into Oakland? Because you got Oakland that can't draw over 2,000 a game. And you got Tampa Bay that can't draw over 19,000 for a playoff game. But Rob Manford was on first take today with Stephen A. and the dog, uh, Christopher Mad Dog Russo, telling you how ratings are up. They never tell you when ratings are down. They always tell you, oh, ratings are up. Let me stop, sir. What about last year when they were down? Why didn't you come in the studio? They always want to come in and tell you how great it is. You can tell I'm bitter that my Yankees aren't in the playoffs and Bobby's Red Sox aren't in the playoffs. Big Al in San Francisco. Go ahead, Big Al. What's happening? You know, I was out to dinner last night in San Francisco with an old buddy of mine. It was our, uh, with the exception of the COVID years, it was our 27th annual steak dinner. Mm. Uh, we do at Morton's, and he's an Oakland guy. This guy's as Oakland as Oakland can be. Um, 
doesn't like San Francisco teams, loves the Raiders, loves the A's, likes the Warriors. And we were just talking about how you know the whole thing with the Coliseum has just gone right down the tubes and how Oakland has totally screwed this thing up. And unfortunately, there's not any coming back from it. I mean, the best the, A's, the uh, Oakland can do is hope that the A's can't take the name to Vegas. And then in 50 years, when the demographic changes, the, the A's, you know, Oakland gets a baseball team, maybe. And maybe they get a stadium because the old thing is just, uh, right. I love that stadium, but it's done. And uh, it, the whole thing is very, very sad. And when I saw this morning that Tampa had like less than 20,000 people at a baseball playoff game, um, that's despicable. That's disgraceful. It's despicable. And uh, some of these municipalities better start taking a look at what's going on around them. And what, and because these are big revenue raisers and these are big job raisers. And unless oh, they yeah. get their act together, they're going to lose it all. Big Al, what do the Raiders need to do to win on one, Monday night? You're very good at this. Give me one thing the Raiders can do to win Monday night football. Yeah, let's spread the ball around the field. Let's get to tight ends. Tight ends, not one tight end, but both of them involved. And let's find a way to protect the passer, our quarterback better. Hopefully it's Jimmy so that we can get Tucker in the game and he can run nine routes and spread out that field. If they constrict, if Green Bay is successful at constricting that field to where the Raiders are only playing one-third of the field, game over. If the Raiders can get better protection and get more people involved, they'll be just fine. Yeah, that's it. I appreciate that. There's a reason why they're not getting everybody involved. For me, it's very clear. They don't have sustained drives. They're not running enough plays. Thanks for the call, Big Al, and they have to stay on the field longer. That's how you can get Michael Mayer involved. I mean, are you really going to come out and give Michael Mayer the ball twice before you give it to Devontae? You can, in theory, but most likely they're not going to do that. So what can you do to get uh, Hunter going? Well, get two first downs on the opening drive. You know, have a third, three-play first down, a two-play first down, and then get Hunter the ball. Or maybe Hunter got you the first down on the second play of the first series. I don't know, but he's right. The ball's got to be spread out. I think defensive coordinators are keying on Devontae with the double team, and they're trying to do everything to slow down Josh Jacobs, and they've been able to do that. Josh picked up the energy in the last game. He really looked like he was in week 10 of last year when he was rolling. Thought the offensive line had something at least to build on. But I want to leave the show with this. The defense... That's the only positive of the last game. It was not Aiden O'Connell. It was not Josh Jacobs. Only Josh in the passing game, he caught eight balls. Uh, The biggest positive was Devontae didn't suffer a season-ending injury, as far as we can tell. When he went down, he came back in the game. The defense, led by Mad Max Crosby, played a good enough game in the second half to win. They've got to bring the scheme, the energy, and everything they do, their film study, out in the first quarter on Monday Night Football and get Jordan Love off the bleeping field. Sack him, put him down, make him feel a hit. Not an illegal hit like Jerry Tillery hitting you know, the quarterback, the Herbert out of bounds. A legal hit that will make the quarterback feel it. It's Jordan Love, then it's Mac Jones, then it's Justin Fields. If the defense is ever going to thrive, it's against those quarterbacks. So you got to feel good about that, and hopefully the defense picks it up. Q's on deck. Saw him earlier today. He's got a monster show lined up. I'll be back here tomorrow. Again, I gave you the lineup for tomorrow. It's a beast. We are focused on Monday night football. Follow everything here at lvsportsnetwork.com. And, oh, do me a favor. Subscribe to my YouTube channel. Did a YouTube video last night. Really excited about it. It's still up there. YouTube. 
JT the Brick YT for YouTube. Please subscribe to the channel and uh, get in there, and I'll throw up some videos and do some shows from there on nights where I'm open. Thanks for listening, everybody. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys.